So my name is Brad, and I am the middle school and young adult pastor here at Westridge Church. And hi, how are you? It's so good to see you. Um, some of you know me, some of you don't know me. How many of you, I was your middle school pastor at some point in your life? Ah, sweet. Um, I miss all of you. Wait. Uh, yeah, I miss all of you. Um, I don't get to see a lot of you as much anymore because we do separate things, but... Uh, Todd always keeps me up to date. Everything's going well in high school. Some of you have even uh, started to um, do this thing we call following Jesus, which is something we prayed for in middle school. And some of you actually started to do that, which is great. Um, So just for those of you who have no idea who I am, uh, just to give you a little bit of background, I've been at this church since I was in high school. So that's been 16 years now. And uh, I've been the middle school pastor for like seven-ish years, uh, and I've been the young adult pastor for 20 months, which is how long we've done the young adult ministry for the third time now uh, as a church. And um, I have a wife with two boys, four and two years old, and one on the way. My wife is like literally out to here. Like it's, she's pretty big right now, um, but she looks gorgeous, absolutely stunning. Uh, she's one of those girls when you look at her from behind without knowing she's pregnant, you would not know she's pregnant until she turned. And then you'd be like, dang, um, she is some kind of pregnant. Uh, so anyway, that's just a little bit about me. Uh, but I'm glad to be here with you guys, man. I, I haven't gotten to hang out with many of you in a while, like I mentioned a second ago. And I'm glad to be in this series, the I Am series. I heard Derek's message from last week. He did awesome uh, talking through one of the I Am's that Jesus taught. And so I get to close it out, uh, which is an honor. And so we're going to look at John 15 tonight. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to John 15. But before we get to that, uh, I wanted to talk about fruit for a second. Because who doesn't like to talk about fruit? Right? Uh, How many people here like fruit? Some type of fruit. It doesn't have to be like all of them. Just Okay, most everybody likes fruit. That's good. Um, So my favorite fruit probably would be a banana. But... I didn't have a banana. So I had an apple, which is my, my probably third favorite, because it goes banana, grape, apple uh, for me, which you would think would be a good juice, but I've tried that juice, and it's actually not that good uh, with all three of them. But apples are probably my third, specifically a gala apple. I don't like the Red Delicious. I don't like the Granny Smith. I like the gala. It's my favorite. Um, and so fruit comes from somewhere specific. Um, and I was just curious, I work with middle schoolers mostly, so when I ask questions like this, they don't typically know the answers. Uh, so where do, do fruit, apples, you know, bananas, things like that, where, where do they come from? You're way off. Uh, they come from the grocery store. So maybe, maybe Walmart, maybe Publix, but my favorite's Kroger. Used to work there back in high school. I would bag your groceries. Uh, there's an art to that, by the way. Any baggers in the house? One bagger, that's it? Okay, a couple more right here. That's what I'm talking about. So baggers have the worst job ever at the grocery store. Because uh, not only do you bag the groceries and mostly not get tips, especially if you work at Publix, um, but you have to clean the bathrooms. You have to go take broken stuff back. You have to, you have to basically, you're like errand boys. You, you have to do whatever they need you to do at, at any supermarket. So the bag boys are like bottom of the totem pole. And then if, you, if you're really good uh, and they like you, they might let you be a cashier. Uh, at least that's the way it was back when I used to, to work at the grocery store. Um, 
So Kroger is where I get my fruit, but I mean, yeah, it, they, they do come from somewhere else. Uh, it's, it's the back room where they get the deliveries. Uh, that's where the fruit actually comes from uh, because they make it in the back. Uh, I, I don't know how. I think it's some type of magic uh, where they make meat and fish. I don't know where they get all that food, but it comes out of the back. Uh, so it's pretty cool. So just to know that this came from Kroger, specifically this one came from Kroger. I bought it today. Uh, it's pretty cool to know. Um, but it doesn't really help us when we start talking through John 15 because it's talking about like a vine and stuff. So um, I'm thinking Kroger actually gets their fruit from, from somewhere else. I'm being dumb, I know. Uh, has anybody been to an apple orchard before? You've seen actual apple trees? Has anybody picked apples? Like you went on the, you, you did the little thing where you go and you pick them. Sweet. So you've been to a place that looks kind of like this where the apples actually grow on trees and they're not just in a package at Kroger. Um, seriously, if I ask my boys where fruit comes from, they would say the grocery store. Uh, they would say the supermarket, Kroger, whatever. Um, but this is actually what a, like a, an apple tree looks like. And I've driven through Florida and seen apple orchards or uh, orange orchards that look very similar. I mean, the trees are kind of the same, and, except you see these oranges hanging all off of them. And this whole idea of a plant producing fruit is where we're going tonight with this teaching in John 15, because that's what Jesus talks about. And so we're going to break it up into two sections. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8, but we're going to look at verses 5 through 8 first, and then look at 1 through 4 after that. So we're going to kind of flip the, the order of it. It's like watching a movie backwards. Uh, we're going to do that because I think it helps us understand it a little bit better. At least it helps me understand it a little bit better. So if you don't have your Bible, you can follow along. Um, here is John chapter 15. Verses 5 through 8. And so we're going to look at this kind of verse by verse, break it down, talk about what is it saying, what does Jesus mean here, and hopefully by the end of it, it makes some sense. And we've gotten something we can actually take and use in actually pursuing Jesus with our everyday life. Okay, so John 15, verse 5 through 8. Jesus talking. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Ouch. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my, for my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So let's kind of look at this. Part by part, okay? Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. So just to give context, Jesus is talking. So Jesus is the vine. He is the main part of the tree. If you were looking at the apple tree, he is the trunk. He is the part that's providing everything that's needed for the apples to actually come to fruition and be a part of the tree. We are the branches. So we're the things that are sprouting off of the big trunk, the main vine. That's us. We're hanging out with leaves and we're ones that are supposed to be hanging out with fruit. And if you remain in me, so if we remain in Jesus, then we, I, in you, Jesus being in you, he being in us, we being in him, you will bear much fruit. So if we're branches, the only way we're going to produce fruit is if we do one thing which is remain in him, which kind of makes sense because if you're thinking of a tree and the branch comes off of the tree, is it going to produce fruit anymore? You can say it out loud. No, it's not. That's, that, that, would, 
that's crazy. I mean, you have to have the trunk. You have to have the stuff coming from the ground, the water, the sun to actually work on a leaf. It has to be connected to the big whole plant. And so for the branch to be cut off from the tree, it's not going to produce any fruit. So this, this actually makes sense. So verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire. So everything we just said is said right there in verse 6 that when we're not connected to Jesus, we wither. The life is sucked out of us when we're not connected to the one who actually leads us to life. And this kind of matches up with what Derek talked about last week with bread and Jesus sustaining us and being the one who gives us what we need. So these are kind of matching up and kind of going together, but what about this next part? Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, I don't know about you. When I first read that, and we hear Jesus talking, and this is all an analogy, right, of him and us, and then you start throwing in things like thrown into the fire, what do you automatically think of? Hell, yeah. It's like, dude, so you're telling me, if I don't make an apple, I'm going to hell. I mean, is that what this is saying? I mean, if I don't produce any fruit in my life, in my, did Jesus just say I'm going to hell? Well, we're going to keep reading to get to the answer to the actual question. Because there's more references to things being separated from the vine and separated from the tree. And what it means in producing fruit. And what it means for us. So verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So if we actually follow Jesus, if we remain in him, anything we ask, whatever we ask will be done for us. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, I was actually talking with Todd in the office about this. I mean, this is, it's, it's funny because when we read things like this, because there's a lot of promises in Scripture where God says, hey, if you say this or you do this, then I will do this. I will give it to you. If you do this in my name, I will give it to you. It will be done. There's, there's plenty of promises in Scripture that are like that. So when you see something like this again, another promise... What exactly does that mean? Does that mean like, okay, if I, if I love Jesus and I ask for $100, like, does it just pop up? Like, do I open up the mailbox and it's just there? If I ask for a new car for my 16th birthday and I love Jesus, do I get it? I mean, these are the thoughts I have. Like, as a teenager, you see things like this. This is what I think. I'm like, hey, does this happen? Like, do I just get whatever I want? Because that's what it just said. But what does it say right before that? It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. So Jesus just likened himself to words, right? So now this analogy is about words as well. So the words of Jesus are now in us. And then the very next thing after he says that is ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is implying that the words that we actually say, the things that we ask, are Jesus' words, not our own words. And so doesn't it make sense that if Jesus asks something, that God would do it? Yes? I mean, right? I know there was a lot of S's in what I just said. But if we say what Jesus says, and we're asking the things that God has Jesus asking, then God will do the things that we're asking because we're now asking not us, but Jesus. It's Jesus' words, not our own. So the question then becomes, is Jesus saying 
to give me a new car when I turn 16. <laughs> I mean, maybe he could say that, I guess. But I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. But, um, but I mean, maybe. But at the end of the day, I think what the verse is ultimately saying, if we're saying the words of Jesus, if those words are in us, we have them in our hearts, on our heads, at the tip of our tongue, and those are the things that are coming out of our mouth. Those are the things God is going to always do. He's always going to say yes to those things. He's always going to answer those prayers. He's always going to fulfill that promise. And so this is part of remaining in him, is having his words in us. All right, verse 8. This is my father's, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So he follows up the words talk with this is all for God, for his glory, which again kind of comes back to is me getting a new car at 16 part of God's glory? I mean, I'm going to praise God. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you getting a car is going to do that, I, you know, who am I to say? But I would say that everything that you say that are the words that Jesus has put in you and that you ask, they're meant to be for God's glory. And if it's, that's not the heart and the motivation behind it, you can't claim this purpose. You can't claim this promise. And this is part of that fruit. So this is the fruit that we're talking about. The words of God, the words of Jesus coming out of us. Like these are the things we are saying. If we follow Jesus and we're claiming that, we're going to our schools, our families, we're hanging out with friends, whatever the case may be, these are the things that are in us. Jesus is in us, not only his spirit, but literally the words he spoke, the things he said. And they're coming out of us as well. And this is part of this fruit that Jesus is talking about. That we are being him. That we are saying the things he says. And when we do that, God gets glory for that. And it also shows us to be his disciples. And I know all of us have been around people who if you were to say, hey, have you seen fruit like this? Or maybe you look at yourself and you're like, hey, do, you, do I see fruit like this in my life? Am I saying the things Jesus said? Is that happening very regularly? Because that's what he's talking about as far as fruit and that bringing God glory and that being part of the whole reason that we exist and that it also helps people to see that we are his disciples. And so usually a lot of people know when we are, we're Christian because we say it or we go to things that are Christian things. And so people are like, okay, they must be a Christian. Or they straight up will ask you, are you? And you will say yes. Or you will just say it at some point and people know. But do people see this fruit? Because if they don't, then they might not really know that you're a Christian. Not to say that you are or you really aren't. But this helps people to know. This helps people to see it. Not even that you're saying I'm a Christian, but that you're saying the things that Jesus said. Because what is a Christian? A Christian is somebody who follows Jesus Christ. So to say the things Jesus said makes sense for that to help everyone to see that you are a Christian. Does all that make sense so far? Sometimes I say things and they make sense to me. I don't know if they make sense to you. So yes? Okay, awesome. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump back in time to verses 1 through 4 and see how these verses, these first four verses, help us understand these four we just read. Because there's some more specifics, especially about the being cut off from the vine idea and what that means for us. So verses 1 through 4, let's pick it up there. It says, 
I am the true vine. Again, this is Jesus talking. I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Again, let's just take this verse by verse. Where again, we see Jesus calling himself the vine. But then we have a new player in the equation. The Father. God the Father. And he is the gardener of where this vine is. So Jesus is the one providing everything to the branches. The gardener is coming around and making sure that the the plant is healthy and trimming the branches. So he's not messing with the vine. The vine's perfect. But he's messing with the branches coming off the vine, which would be me and you, and he's trimming stuff. Have any of you had God mess with you and cut stuff out of your life? Like, it can hurt. It can be painful. But when you get through the cut, you wind up growing more because of it. Have you experienced this before? I mean, it's a real gardening principle. I mean, you have to guard, you have to prune things for things to actually grow and be healthy. Because if you just let them go crazy, then they wind up actually hurting themselves. You have to do this with flowers. You have to do this with fruit-bearing trees and bushes and things. And you have to prune away the stuff that's either dead or the stuff that's not producing as much as it could in order for the, the plant itself to produce more and to be healthier, and to do what it was meant to do in the first place. And so God does this in our life, and and many of you have experienced it. I know I've experienced it, and if you haven't, it's coming. When you follow God, he's going to prune you, and it's a good thing. And it's easy to kind of get mad at God sometimes when those things happen, when a relationship gets cut away, or when some kind of Maybe opportunity, whether that be a job or an opportunity at school or or, or something like that gets cut away. Something that you love, but it's just not the best thing. And whatever that thing is, it being cut away is ultimately going to enable you to grow into the person God has made you to be. It's going to lead you to life more than what you were experiencing before. And those of us that have gone through at least some of that before, we, we get to see kind of the other side of that. And we can be like, oh, yeah, I can see how that happened. And then some of us who haven't experienced a lot of that, we don't get that yet. Or maybe you're in the middle of the printing process and you're like, dude, this is just, this, this is not fun. Like, does God hate me? Like, <laughs> what did I do? Because this isn't good. But I'm telling you, stay, stay strong, be faithful. God is always doing what's in your best interest. You can trust him. He loves you. And again, if you look at this plant, the whole purpose of it is to make it healthy, to help it be as productive as possible, to actually do what it was made to do. And without that pruning, it winds up hurting itself, just like we wind up hurting ourselves and stunting our own growth and keeping us from actually becoming the follower of Christ that God is calling us to be. So, now, he cuts off every branch. This is more than just, this is different than pruning. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. So he's talking, just as Jesus. Now, he says, God cuts off the branches, which branches represent people. We already saw that. 
that aren't bearing any fruit. So if somebody is a part of the plant and they're not bearing fruit, the gardener, God the Father, is cutting that branch off. Okay, we're sounding an awful lot like we've said before, like if the fruit's not happening, then, then hell is the destination is what this is sounding like more and more. But what's the language that we keep seeing through these verses? That if you remain in me, I will remain in you. So to be cut off from the branch, to not produce fruit means you're not connected to the, to the vine anymore. You've been cut off. You're withering away because you haven't remained in Jesus. Now, some would argue that means you never truly knew Jesus in the first place. And there's debates through these verses on whether or not this means you did or you didn't know Jesus. But I believe if you know Jesus, you know Jesus forever. I mean, you see that through scripture, that you're, you're held in his hand. Nothing's going to take you out. Nothing stronger than God. Sin is not stronger than God. But if you choose to walk away from that and you never really accepted it in the first place, that could be who he's talking about. If you see zero fruit in your life, Ever, like you've never experienced fruit in your life, then do you know Jesus? And you, I'm not saying you do or you don't. It's a question for you and God. I don't know. But it's not to say that if you're not producing fruit in your life that you're not saved. But it is a call to start to. Because God's not saying, hey, it's cool if you're not producing fruit. That's awesome. One day you will. He's saying, listen, no, no, no. God needs to prune you. You need to get to a point where you're producing this fruit in your life. Because let's keep looking at what it says here in the very next verse. Or at the end of this verse, he prunes so that we can produce even more fruit. So if there's not any fruit, he's going to prune you to where you can start to produce fruit. If you're producing some fruit, but not a lot, he's going to prune you so you can produce even more. And remember, the fruit is the word of God. Like, it's Jesus' words. And it's like, why is that a big deal? Jesus' words are the things that lead us to life. Like, that's how we know who he is. That's how we know who we are. That's why we know we need a savior. That's why we know we have sin. Because of these words. Like, they're important. Words actually matter. Like, they lead us to truth. And Jesus' words are all true. So verse 3, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Again, we see words, right? We are clean. The branches are good because of the words that Jesus has spoken to us. So remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. How many of us have tried to produce fruit, to look godly, to do things that are righteous, you know, the things that we try to do sometimes. And we look back and we're like, man, I didn't actually depend on God for any of that. Like, I didn't even ask God about that. I didn't even talk to him. about. It. I didn't even say like, God, do you want me to do that? I didn't even say, hey, would you um, help me do this? You know, would you be the one who gets glorified in this? Like, there's several things we do that sound good or that sound holy or that sound right. And then sometimes we look back and we're like, man, I don't even know if God wanted me to do any of that. I just did it. And the world is full of people trying to do good things. And some of them are, they are good. But the only true 
ultimately good things, the only things that are ultimately going to last and have this kind of effect of bearing fruit are when they're rooted in Christ, when they're rooted in Jesus, when they're rooted in this understanding of who he is, of this grace and this love that you only find in Jesus. And so those things could be all types of different things. I mean, it could be, you know, feeding somebody who needs food. It could be somebody who just, you know, you just say something nice to somebody. It could be you going and meeting some kind of physical need or, or emotional need or helping somebody with their homework. I mean, there's all kinds of things you could do. But at the end of the day, the things that are ultimately going to last are when they're rooted in Jesus. Because when we remain in him... He will remain in us, and we're going to bear fruit. But if we try to do anything outside of him, if we try to do anything apart from him, that stuff will not last. It's not the kind of fruit that he's talking about here. And when we do things out of our own strength and our own ability, he doesn't get the glory for that. And we already read in the first, or the, technically the, the second half of this, the passage, all this is for his glory, Right? So if this is for his glory, it's got to be his words and it's got to be for him and it's got to be rooted in Jesus. And when those things are happening, fruit is going to be happening in your life. You're going to be saying things that you're like, dude, I didn't even know I knew that. Like I didn't, I didn't even, I don't think that was actually me saying that. And there's moments that will happen like that. But then there's other moments you know exactly what you're saying because you read it. Like you read it in the Bible. You opened it up or you pulled it up on your app or whatever the case is and you read it and it's literally what God says to you. And because you read it, it's in your heart, it's here, it's ready to go. You talk to somebody, you engage in somebody, you have some kind of interaction with somebody and that comes out of you. And that leads them to truth, it leads them to God and that is the fruit. And so the remaining in Jesus is not just for you. The remaining in Jesus is also for the world. Because we've all heard before, I mean, we've heard Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go and make disciples. Go and teach people what I've commanded you. Go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Acts 1, you're going to go and be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, and the other ends of the world. I mean, we're going everywhere to tell people about Jesus, to show people Jesus. And so you guys are on some of the biggest mission fields in the world right now, your high school campus. I am not around thousands of people every day anymore, and you guys are. And that's not to put like the weight of that on you, but it is to say you have a huge opportunity, and wherever God puts you and however God allows you to engage in those thousands of people, you have a chance to bear some amazing fruit by just speaking the words that he speaks, like letting what's inside, what God has done inside of you to just come out. And so when I was getting to the end of this and and reading through and just like, where does this go? Like, where, where should we end this? I mean, he keeps talking about words. He keeps mentioning words and he keeps mentioning fruit. And it got me thinking about how the Jewish people, like the, the entire Jewish nation thinks of the Bible. They think of God's words as like honey on their lips. It's sweet to the taste. 
So it's not like when you hear God's word, you're like, what? What was that? And I know we can read things in the Old Testament sometimes, and we have no idea what we just read. And we're like, what? And you got to Google it and look it up. Like, what does this mean? Um, But all of it is understood to be from God, and all of it is understood to be good. And so they would literally, as kids, Jewish kids growing up, like when they would read the Bible, they would put like honey on their fingers so that as they turn the pages and like lick their, fing- lick their fingers as they're doing that and stuff, they would taste honey and it would be sweet and they correlate that with the words of God. And then you think about fruit. And fruit, and don't get cheeky with me, I know tomatoes are fruit, but most fruits are, are sweet. I mean, most are like an apple. And it's like a healthy snack. Like usually if you're, you're trying to be healthy and you want to eat dessert, you'll, you'll get like a smoothie or you'll get like a fruit or something like that. But it's a good thing. God made it. It's, 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 it's fairly healthy, but it's sweet to the taste. Like you don't think of a fruit, and especially one you like, and they're like, oh, that's bitter and nasty. Now, yes, you can get a not ripe one yet and all that kind of stuff. But in general, you look at this apple, you taste this apple, it's going to be sweet. It's going to be good to the taste. And that is how we're supposed to be to the world. We're meant to be this positive experience. Somebody comes in contact with us. We don't even have to open our mouth as far as to say that we're a Christian. Because the things that we say to them, the way we act towards them, they would walk away knowing that. Because they had this sweet experience. This positive experience, this encouraging experience, this thing that, that left them feeling like, man, I just heard something that was real and was true. And so... Proverbs 16, 24 kind of speaks to this whole idea. It speaks to this idea of God's words and the being sweet. And so Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And this is the, the fruit that Jesus is calling us to. These gracious words and Jesus, I mean, Jesus is full of grace. His whole existence here on the planet Earth, as far as why he came, was all about grace. And so the words he speaks are all full of grace. And so when we speak his words, wherever we go, we're full of grace. And so these gracious words are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. They bring healing wherever we go. Not because they're our words, but because they're Jesus's words. And so when you guys are out and you're with your friends, or you're in your class, or you're with your family, and you're saying these words, they literally bring healing because they're Jesus's. And that's the fruit that you get a chance to be a part of and to see and experience. And so not only is it sweet to the people around you, but it's sweet to you. For you to be able to experience a friend or a loved one, experience Jesus, it doesn't get any sweeter than that. Like, that's amazing. And God lets you be a part of that. And in fact, he's calling you to that. He wants you to be producing this all the time. He wants me to be producing this all the time. So that means we got to let him prune us. It means we have to remain in him. Not only for our sake, but for others' sake. That person in your fourth period might not know another Christian. It might just be you. Your mom or your dad or your brother might not know any other Christians and might not have any other way of seeing Jesus other than what you say and do in front of them. And you get a chance to produce fruit by helping them see and hear the words of Jesus through the way you live. 
And you get this chance every single day. And so tonight, as Jesus calls us to remain in him, as he's the vine and we're the branches, for us to produce more fruit, let all of us go out of this place and say, God, prune me. God, I want to remain in you. I want to meditate on the things you've said to me that are true of me and that are true of you so that I can just say what you've said. That I can represent you well, that I can point people to you well so people can have a sweet experience for their soul and have healing in their bones and that these words would bring those things because they're your words and they're not my words. And so let's pray for that together. Let's ask God to use us together in that way. Wherever he takes us, wherever he allows us to be planted. And so let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the fact that we are connected to you, that we can remain in you, that you make yourself available that way. And God, we want to be these people, these branches that are producing fruit. Fruit that's sweet to the taste, that's something that points people to something real, that brings healing because it's the things you've said, it's the things that are true, it's things that are real. And so help us to say those things. Help Help us to have your words in us. Help us to meditate on your words, to actually open up your words and read them, not only for ourselves but for others. So God, help us to go out of this place and produce much fruit everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.